Good afternoon. <laughs> Lovely to see you, Chrysler. Let's begin the service then with our first hymn. Praise to the Lord, ye heavens adore him. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace be with you. Father of glory, holy and eternal, look upon us in power and mercy. May your strength overcome our weakness, your radiance transform our blindness, and your spirit draw us to that love, shown and offered to us by your Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let's sit then for the confession. Assured of our Father's love and his willingness to forgive our sins, let's confess together. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy on you and set you free from sin, strengthen you in goodness and keep you in eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's stand then to say the Gloria together. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. Lord God, heavenly King, almighty God and Father, we worship you, we give you thanks, we praise you for your glory. Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, Lord God, Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Receive our prayer. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High. In the, in the glory of Spirit, in the glory of God, Amen. Amen. 
Let us pray. Almighty God, whose Son has opened for us a new and living way into your presence, give us pure hearts and steadfast wills to worship you in spirit and in truth. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. First reading is from Amos chapter 8, verses 4 to 7. Hear this, you who trample the needy and do away with the poor of the land, saying, When will the new moon be over that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath be ended that we may market wheat? Skimping on the measure, boosting the price, and cheating with dishonest scales, buying the poor with silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, selling even the sweepings with the wheat. The Lord has sworn by himself, the pride of Jacob, I will never forget anything they have done. This is the word of the Lord. reading from the first letter to Timothy. I urge then, first of all, that all petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. <coughs> this is good and pleases God our Saviour who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. This is the word of God. The Lord be with you. Listen to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Saint Luke. Jesus told his disciples. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What's this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm, not and I'm, too, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what, what I'll do, so that when I lose my job, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called each of his master's debtors and asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told them, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of light. I tell you, Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself, so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with a little will also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. 
So it is with you who have been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth. Who will, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will trust you with the property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Parable of the unjust steward. We've all just heard the parable from St. Luke's Gospel. When I first read this parable, I said to myself, that's not right, I'd better read that again. And yes, it did say what I thought it said. But how is it that an unfaithful steward, about to be sacked from his position, gets praise from his employer? The story sounds quite modern. A dishonest manager is about to lose his job because he's misspent his employer's assets. He doesn't want to do manual work or receive charity, so he goes to round all the people who owe his employer money and reduces their debts. He does this so they will be hospitable to him after he loses his job. To our surprise, the employer commends the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. Why is he commended? and why has Luke included this story in his Gospel. To understand this, we've got to look at the context of Luke's Gospel. Luke tells us that the Pharisees and scribes could not, manage, uh, could not match Jesus' knowledge of the Bible. So they tried a common trick. They tried to besmirch his reputation. Luke has said previously in the last chapter that all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him and to hear him. The Pharisees complained that this man receives sinners and eats with them. Jesus' personal reputation was so solid that the only way they thought they could attack him was by association. If a man hangs around with sinners, well, then obviously he's something in common with them. He too must be a sinner. So this story of the unjust steward is the fourth in a series. We heard two last week. First about the lost sheep, the parable that tells us that every soul is precious to God and is worth a great effort to save. The Pharisees and the scribes had the wrong viewpoint. They saw men and women who sinned but Jesus saw people who needed to be saved. The second parable was about the silver coin that the widow had lost, about a drachma, which is a day's wage. Although she had nine more, she was excited when she found it. If people put that much value in a small piece of silver, what then is a human soul worth to God? If people get excited about finding um, a lost piece of silver, how much more excited is God over the recovery of one lost soul? And the third parable is the famous one about the prodigal son. In this story, the son squanders his inheritance, just as the dishonest manager or steward had squandered his employer's assets. The prodigal son returns home to a welcome, and the dishonest steward, by reducing the debts of those in debt to his employer is sure to be welcomed by them when he loses his job. They both reverse the status of things. And reversals of status are at the heart of what happens when Jesus and the kingdom of God appear. The parable of the unjust steward might confuse us, but we have to keep in mind that the Pharisees and the scribes understood the point. They knew Jesus was talking about them. Luke goes on to tell us, now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, all heard about these things, and they derided Jesus. So we've got to unwrap the symbolism to see the principle that's being illustrated here. 
the lord or the employer or the rich man in the story of the unjust steward is easily recognized as God. To God, each of us are stewards of his creation and the blessings God gives to us. When God created the world, he gave man control over it. We told this in Genesis. A steward is a fitting description of our role on earth. A steward does not own the things he or she manages. In the same way, God gives us our lives to manage, but our lives and everything that we have belong to him. With the blessings God has granted to each of us comes a veering amount of ability. We each have different talents to use, and God expects us to use these abilities well. We naturally expect that a servant or a steward entrusted with his employer's possessions and given critical tasks would be faithful in fulfilling the trust that his employers placed in him or her. The unjust steward didn't want to work for a living, he was too lazy, but to put much effort into his job was above him. Being forewarned that he was going to lose his job, the unjust steward brilliantly provides for himself by making use of his employers and his Lord's resources. But his employer does not commend his mismanagement of his possessions because he's dealt with them shrewdly. Jesus is there, not therefore praising the unrighteous actions. The admiration is for the brilliant planning, the shrewdness. Luke says, the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. In other words, Jesus' disciples are often referred to as children of light in John's gospel, for instance. And they could learn something about acting prudently or shrewdly from the children of the age, making friends for themselves, not through dishonest wealth and by exploiting others, but making friends with the wealth they have to give. That is, leading them to the true riches that can only be found in that place where no thief can draw near and no moth destroys their eternal home. We've been warned that we don't have much time left for our stewardship. Life is short. It'll not last forever. And in the New Testament, James says, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. All the parables are aimed at a particular point. They start to break down when they stretch too far or apply to the wrong um, point. Jesus is stating in this parable that the ungodly people in this world know how to get the most out of worldly things. That truth to be told, that they don't need known. But the so-called godly people don't know how to get the most from spiritual things. The Pharisees were squandering precious resources. There were people in their midst who needed to be brought back to God and they, uh, they refused to see the value of the resources that they've been given. Jesus also informs us that God's watching what we do with the little things that he gives us to see if we're faithful enough to handle more important things. We use this principle in business. You don't put a young man or woman fresh from college in charge of your company. You'd start them out on small jobs, and if they can handle, up, handle it, move them up. The fact is that people tend um, to act in this way when dealing with little or much. A person who's willing to steal small change, for instance, will have no restraint if an opportunity arises to steal a large fortune. We can view this life as a promotion to the next life. If we can't make profitable use of our borrowed lives from God, why should we be given eternal life? The Pharisees and scribes' true problem was they were too caught up in their current lives. They lost sight of the spiritual goal and made a priority of living in the physical realm. No servant can, uh, no servant can serve two masters, for either he'll hate one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. Something's got to give. 
we have to make the choice regarding who we'll serve. So what will each of us do with the life God has loaned us? Amen. Let's stand then to affirm our faith with the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, all that is seen and unseen. Light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Take a seat for a moment. Just an opportunity then to draw your attention to a few things. It's a busy week again on Tuesday. The week begins with Open the Book. So uh, remember that if you're not able to participate in it at least be praying for it and remembering the team in your prayers. Also, the pop-up cafe, if you'd like to pop into St. Catherine's for a cup of tea and a chat, there's a welcome to do that, and it's free. We hope that you'll be blessed through that. Services throughout the week as normal, but next Sunday, I'd like to remind you that we welcome Mark Clavier as our guest speaker. Mark is the bishop's chaplain and canon theologian for the diocese, and he's a brilliant speaker. So it's a great opportunity not just to come along, but also to bring a friend if you have one. Mine are sometimes in short supply, but I think if I search for them hard enough, I do find them. Be lovely to see you here next Sunday to welcome Mark as he shares with us. Then I just want to encourage us to look a little bit further afield towards Harvest Sunday at the beginning of next month. Inside your bulletin today, there's a little flyer about the TF and Harvest Appeal. Take this home with you and have a read. It's highlighting some of the work that TF and is doing in some of the most difficult parts of the globe and the difference the church can make if it's prepared to step up in faith. On Harvest Sunday, we'll be doing two things. We'll be inviting monetary contributions for the work of TF and. You can find, find out a lot more about that in the uh, flyer, but also closer to home. If you'd prefer to bring uh, um, food items, non-perishable food items, then there's a chance to do that and they'll be given to the local food bank. And you'll see from the bulletin that they are in urgent need of some things. So whether you want to give financially or to give practically by donating food items, We'll be doing that on Harvest Sunday. But either way, take the flyer away and have a good read. And we look forward to welcoming Dr. Canan Lloyd, who is the head of TIA Fund in Wales, as our guest speaker. He, like Mark, is a really brilliant speaker. So do pop that date in your diary. I also want to flag up Alpha. Alpha's beginning on the 19th of October. It's going to be running for eight weeks. 
so there'll be a chance to get together to enjoy good conversation there's no right or wrong answers it's a safe space to come and say what you really think to explore one of the big topics of christian faith and then to have some big robust debates even if you think it's rubbish come along and say it it's absolutely fine to do that i think it's good for us to grapple with big issues and those sessions will include a meal every week for eight weeks take a leaflet to learn more but crucially too why not take a leaflet and invite a friend or family member or a neighbor ask them to come along and come with them it's a great space to invite new people to explore the christian faith and to learn a little bit about what we're about whilst also giving them the space to debate and to discuss the big issues of life and faith and meaning so grab a leaflet on your way out and be thinking about who you can invite to come along you can either sign up online or you can tear off the slip at the bottom of the leaflet and bring that back so that we know who's coming and we're able to cater for the right number of people let's pray then Gwydion. let us pray today we give thanks to god for the life of elizabeth our queen her faith and her dedication to duty she was such a special person people all over the world feel a sense of loss of someone they've loved and respected we also remember our king charles iii and pray that you will bless his reign and strengthen him on his journey lord in your mercy in today's cycle of prayer, we pray for Brecon and Llyn Sathadan ministry area, and we remember Andrew, our Archbishop, and the clergy of this parish and all who work with them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for the people of Ukraine and Russia and their families around the world. We ask that those involved respond with wisdom and courage so that a peaceful re resolution may be achieved. And above all, we pray for the precious children at risk and in fear, that you will keep them safe. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for our church and our congregation. Lord, help us to make a difference as we gather together to worship you and to make a difference in your world. In, in your world. And we pray for members who are unwell, or housebound. Let them know that you are always with them, and we keep them in our thoughts and prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, we pray for your mercy on all who have suffered the loss of someone they have loved. Comfort them with the assurance that though we see them no longer, we ask you to unite us with them in our intercessions, that we may be one in your love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we pray for ourselves and look forward to all that you have planned for us. Help us to share the good things, talk about them, and to welcome others who need our help or company. Guide our thoughts to you, Lord, so that we may walk in love and peace with you always. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid, Jesus said. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And the Lord also with you. Let's share a sign of that peace together.
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks, Holy Father, all-powerful, ever-living God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who by his death has destroyed death, and by his rising to life again has restored to us eternal life. And so with all the hosts of angels and with the company of heaven, we proclaim the glory of your name and join in their unending hymn of praise. Holy, holy, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let us pray. All praise and thanks to you, true and living God, creator of all things, giver of life. You formed us in your image, but we have marred that image and we fall short of your glory. We give you thanks that you sent your Son to share our life. You gave him up to death so that the world may be saved, and you raised him from the dead so that we might live in him and he in us. Sanctify with your Spirit this bread and wine, your gifts to us, that we may be fed with the body and blood of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. On the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of faith. As he has commanded us, Father, we remember Jesus Christ, your Son, proclaiming his victorious death, rejoicing in his resurrection and waiting for him to come again in glory. We bring to you this bread and this cup. Accept our sacrifice of thanks and praise. Restore and revive your people. Renew us and all for whom we pray with your grace and heavenly blessing. And at the last, receive us with all your saints into that unending joy promised by your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him, with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honour and glory are yours, Almighty Father, for ever and ever. Amen. So as our Saviour Jesus Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ.
draw near and receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ given for you. Feed on him in your hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. thanks to the Lord, for he is gracious. God of truth, we have seen with our eyes and touched with our hands the bread of life. Strengthen our faith that we may grow in love for you and for each other. 
through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen. We'll sing our final hymn and then we'll pause to sing together with gusto the national anthem. And there's something unique about this time, I think, that even in her death, the Queen is managing to say something about the Christian hope. Because yes, there is grief, there is sorrow, because our country's longest sovereign has passed. But simultaneously, at the same time, there is excitement, aspiration, joy and hope as a new era begins, as the reign of a new king opens before us. So we'll sing our final hymn and then we'll pause and sing the national anthem together. <laughs> 